Hello and welcome to a new episode and a new season of In the Narthex, a podcast of Northwest Bible Church. My name is Alyssa Gubrell, and I'm here today with Pastor Jeff Thune and Pastor Lucas Hattenberger. And we, um, on this podcast, discuss how the gospel of Jesus Christ speaks to the questions and conversations of today. And like I said, this is our brand new season, season two. We're excited to be back with you. And this season, we're going to be kind of alternating between um, theological and cultural. So this is what the gospel says and does and is, and this is how it speaks to us about this particular issue. So today we're going to be discussing how not to experience God. Why are we covering this? guys? Yeah, I think the title's intended to be a little bit provocative. Um, maybe an alternative title would be modern day mystics. We'll get into why. But part of this is kind of coming out of a sermon series that we're in right now, working through the book of Colossians. And if you're just kind of like a complete novice to um, the scripture, especially to the Pauline epistles, and you were just reading Colossians, one of the themes that seems to be surfacing repeatedly, even in the first couple of chapters, is this idea, this concept of fullness. So let me just kind of read for you a couple verses where it comes up. Uh, Colossians 1, verse 19, which is kind of a famous, you know, talking about the preeminence of Christ. It says, For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. Then you come to Colossians 1.28, Paul's saying for this um, reason he, you know, he proclaims Christ, they proclaim Christ, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature or full in Christ, um, complete in Christ. So no, again, this idea of fullness. Then Colossians chapter 2, verse 9, we read, For in Christ the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily, and you have been filled in him, who is the head of all rule and authority. So, um, again, you just kind of through this book, even the first couple chapters of this book, this idea of fullness. So, if you're just kind of a thoughtful reader, you would say, okay, there has to be, There's the implication is that there's a question of this new church and these new Christians in Colossae, are they really spiritually full, right? Um, maybe their new identity in Christ, maybe they're coming into, you know, their own, so to speak, in the faith, um, the Christian faith. Um, they're being questioned and saying, hey, you're not, you're not truly spiritually full. And so as we read on in Colossians, um, specifically Colossians chapter 2, you see why Paul is, is you know, referencing this, bringing this idea up, trying to, um, trying to just affirm, hey, you actually have everything you need in Christ. Christ himself is the fullness of deity, and in him you are being filled up full. The reason he does that is because apparently there are other religious groups, factions that are kind of coming in and around the church in Colossae, and causing them to question this, right? And it breeds insecurity and it breeds, um, well, maybe I, I haven't done you know everything that I need to do. Maybe I need to add um, to, to my experience, to my relationship with Christ. And so 
you see kind of this play out in a couple different ways. As he affirms, no, you have everything you need in Christ. He is he himself is the fullness of God. Um, in him you are being filled up full. Um, we come to Colossians chapter two, and in verse sixteen, he's saying, "Hey, because of that, therefore, let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food and drink, or with regard to festival or new moon or Sabbath, for these are a shadow of the things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ." Now. What he's describing there is, I, I guess we could just term it as like spiritual activity, additional spiritual religious activity, ritual performance. And so one thing that this group is coming in and, and saying and making them question is, okay, um, that's great. You have you have Christ and that's, that's great. That's the gospel that Paul preaches. But if you want to be really spiritually full— then you need to add these things that that we would say, okay, those are those are kind of part of, um, yeah, traditional Jewish practice, um, practice of the law, um, certain foods and drinks you eat or don't eat, you know, festivals that you practice, new moon, Sabbath. So all of these could kind of be, at least in our common day vernacular, yeah, attached to just extra religious activity, um, extra religious discipline practice. Um, but then he comes to verse 18. So he says, hey, don't let anyone pass judgment on you. Um, meaning like, hey, you're not spiritually full unless you practice these things, these religious activities. Then in verse 18, he says, let no one disqualify you, insisting on asceticism and worship of angels, going on in detail about visions puffed up without reason by his sensuous mind and not holding fast to the head. Now, as the first kind of category, hey, don't let anyone pass judgment. That's more like religious activity. This seems to be more like religious experience, right? Like if you do these things, you'll have a fuller, more, um, yeah, more religious kind of encounter uh, with God, with uh, the things of God. You'll experience something, a higher level of experience and exaltation. So both of these kind of things are coming in with this questioning of, are you really full in Christ? Actually, you need to add to you know these different things. So that's, I'm going to let Lucas color in a little bit more. Okay, what's the context there? But that seems to be what we would say is like a form of Jewish mysticism. And I'll let him color in what that, what that means and, and kind of the background to that. But in either case, um, these groups seem to be questioning and leading maybe young believers, new believers, this new church in Colossae or group of churches in Colossae, causing them to question, is Christ really all that they need? Is he enough? Is Have they received fully what, what they need to receive? So um, that's why we're, we're saying, okay, this podcast, we all have that tendency of feeling spiritually insecure at times, you know, have I really been saved? Do I really belong? Have I really been given everything I need? What else do I need to do? What else do I need to accomplish? Or as we get around other Christians, possibly who have walked with Jesus a lot longer, who have had different experiences, who've heard from God, who the, you know, we feel like, man, they, they, 
they've kind of hit this entirely different plane spiritually. Um, it's it, this is just something we all kind of face, and we'll get into um, kind of modern day versions of that. But we're all very prone to be spiritually insecure, and when these things, these different additives, start to creep in and come in, um, yeah, sometimes it kind of throws us into wanting, questioning, doubting, do we, yeah, are we spiritually full in Christ? So, so that's kind of background why we're talking about this. Um, we think it's very relevant still to this day. Um, but I'm going to let Lucas, why don't you kind of color in for us a little bit more context, maybe help people understand, um, kind of the different threads here, both Jewish, but also kind of extra Jewish kind of, uh, mysticism. Yeah, so uh, the Colossian, the the book of Colossians is, I think on the one hand, like a really awesome book to read and to read through and to get a big vision of Jesus. But then once you get to chapters two and three, it can also be a little bit confusing, just in the sense that um, what is Paul talking about? And um, especially in the passage that you just cited, like let don't let anybody judge you about food and drink and festival and um, worship of angel and, and you're just kind of reading that and you're just kind of like what what's going on but um, basically what what is happening here Jeff I think you did it uh, a, a good summary of it is like there are these kind of spiritual pros who who have um, quote spiritual pros who who have claimed to have this um, experience of, of the divine that um, this church is missing out on and the reason that we might call them Jewish mystics or um, there's a commentator that we like Scott McKnight. He calls them something along those lines, like a Jewish mystic or, um, or even like a spiritual um, uh, or even like a Jewish Pentecostal type type thing is just because there was, there was a strand of like uh, Jewish mystics that were around during this time. and even came um, before that. Um, it, it comes from just, when you read like the old Testament, for instance, you see how Moses has these, um, ecstatic experiences of God. He goes up to the mountain and his face begins to shine and people are freaked out by it. And he has to cover his face because it's so, um, so bright and shining. And Moses is up on top of this mountain for 40 days. He doesn't even eat. Um, he's like this, you know, he has these ecstatic experiences. One that's, um, um, becomes really uh, like almost like uh, a spiritual like daredevil type thing is when you read Ezekiel 1. Ezekiel has this huge vision of God and um, it's almost like a UFO. It's like these circles and but really it's just like this he gets a vision of God's throne room and it's as if he's climbed up into the heavens and had this visual experience of God. So by the time Paul comes in and during Jesus's day there are all these um and this is before Christianity, right? There are all these Jewish people who want to sort of replicate that experience. Mm-hmm. Oh man, I want a shining face like Moses. I want um, to climb up. And and they had these crazy ideas that w- w- you know we now know about space and the universe. But they understood there to be like almost seven layers of heaven above in the sky that you could, if you got into enough of a trance or praying that you could climb up into these different layers of heaven. And even Paul says that he 
climbed up. He didn't climb. He got Jesus brought him up into the third heaven, and he spoke. You know, so there's all of this stuff that's just kind of floating around, and we'll talk about how this is really relevant today. But it's all going around now. Imagine somebody comes into our church and says, "You know, you guys are doing so great, but let me just give you some, give you advice on how to get something extra, get an extra dose of God, an extra dose of the Holy Spirit, an extra dose of whatever." And that's exactly what was happening. And this is why Colossians is a lot like Galatians. Galatians says, if you really want to be saved, you need to do all these things. Colossians is more like, hey, if you really want to know the fullness of God, here are these mystical practices, these private spiritual practices that you can do. And um, if you just kind of follow us. And so Paul is writing Colossians because he's just concerned that they're giving into that. Uh, there's peer pressure involved. There's, um, uh, there's kind of this spiritual sort of, um, uh, we're better than you involved and they want to experience God's fullness too. And they want to climb the ladder. So it's really pertinent for today. I, I think it's for, for all the, all the time. I mean, and, and even after the new Testament, there are different versions of this, um, and, um, uh, there, there was one version of it called Gnosticism, basically, Hey, uh, you're at the lower level. We want you to help you climb to the highest level. I mean, it's just all over the place. So, um, but that just kind of gives you a little bit of a snippet as to why Paul would even focus on these festivals and these Sabbath days. And it's because there's this sort of Jewish background that's floating in the background there. But we, we could apply it to today, couldn't we? We, we could think about things that, um, that are going on today that, that might not be Jewish, but they might be modern day examples. So I guess I'm making yeah, let me, our, But before ahead. Alyssa kind of interjects here and, and transitions, us, transitions us into some more modern day examples of this, I think it's important to understand um, when Paul's saying, um, hey, don't let anyone disqualify you, insisting on asceticism, that's kind of harsh treatment of the body. Um, so... I'm not going to go with, I'm going to go without food. I'm going to go out, go without community. I'm going to go without water. I'm going to go live in the desert. I might even, you know, beat my body in these ways to, to make it a slave to the spiritual, right? Um, He's saying, Hey, if they're insisting on those things and worship of angels going on in detail about visions puffed up without reason by their sensuous mind, like those were the kind of things it's very like it's very self-serving too, right? Because hey, if I practice these things, then I've somehow put myself in a position to attain a higher level of spirituality, um, a higher level of, of religiosity, so to speak. And it's interesting because he says he says, "Hey, let no one disqualify you based on those things, instead of or not holding fast to the head, from whom the whole body." is nourished and knit together. So uh, beyond just encouraging, hey, you know, this this extra spiritual, this su- superior sort of form of, of visions and experience and experiencing God, um, what that produces and creates in a community is like, okay, I'm, I'm measuring myself against others. I have to, you know, it, it's very individualistic. And so he seems to be saying, hey, that, that's the kind of 
um, that's the kind of community that gets formed around that. And if you step into those things, instead of trusting that, that Christ is, is the fullness of God, um, it can lead to a community that's very self-serving, very individualistic, very measuring itself against others. Right. And, um, and you know, that just breeds all kinds of, um, yeah, just factions and I'm, you know, I'm separating myself. I'm distancing myself from these other people and just a lot of competition, you know? Um, so I I think it's important to, to kind of know, uh, yeah, those, those things, it's not a bad thing in like wanting to experience God is a good thing, you know? Um, but, but by adding all these things that are very self-serving, that are very, um, yeah, uh, absorbed with the experience I have, the discipline that I have, the things that I do, um, to gain some sort of extra level of spirituality is, is one thing that Paul's very, you know, adamantly, um, exhorting the Colossian church against and something that, that, yeah, we still fall prey to today. Yeah, well, and and it's not wrong to want to experience God, but you got to, you have, he needs to be experienced in the way that he's given us to be experienced right. by him. Meaning, right. Paul's biggest thing is like, it's in Christ, right. it's in Jesus that we experience God. It's not through the um, ascension of our souls into heaven or whatever. You know, it's it's in it's in Jesus. So. But yeah, I think you're right. It it creates competition and factions and fighting and me 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 type. Thing. The one of the, one of the other things he keeps saying, like he keeps referring to Christ as the head, you know, and we're all part of the body, you know. So, um, yeah. If if any other kind of teaching or um, other experience or um, other person starts to kind of drive and shape and and um, elevate themselves over Christ. Um, yeah, it's just a, it's, it's a dangerous place to be. So. Yeah, I really appreciate that context. Um, we had a really sweet discussion in our connection group after the sermon about Colossians two. And, um, one thing that really stood out to me was, um, you know, the kind of the end of the verses there, the end of the chapter. Um, it's like, there's all the rules that are like, don't handle, don't taste, don't touch. And, Mm -hmm. Um, I think it can be easy to gravitate to like, okay, I'll just follow the rules and then I'll be good. But um, like you're saying, it comes back to, um, you know, the the your, their sinful minds have made them proud. They're not connected to Christ, the head of the body. So ultimately, it's not follow all these rules. It's be connected to the head. That's right. how you survive. Right. That's how you thrive, right. um, which is not something we can do on our own, but it is really simple. And right. I like how simple that is. Right. Um, well, and, and I th- it doesn't lend to boasting, does it? It's yeah. in the, in, in the simplicity of it, it's like, Oh, okay. Christianity is all about this person, Jesus, who in, in Jesus, the fullness of God has been given. So then that means that your whole life gravitates around this one person, not this like a whole bunch of religious things that we do. Right. So I, I think on the one hand, simplicity is like, oh, that's a good thing. But it doesn't lend to me like, look at all these awesome things I've done. It doesn't lend to boasting, I guess. Right. Is what I'm saying. Yeah. And I think the context of like what was happening in the church is helpful for me too. Because even as we were discussing it, it was kind of like, okay, how, like, what are examples of this now mm. that we experience? Like festivals and asceticism? Like, I yeah. don't know. And yeah. so, you know, just even as you guys explained it to think about, you know, the people that are 
trying to tell you that there's more to be experienced. Like, yeah, absolutely. I see that. I see a ton of that. So, um, yeah. Where do you guys see that? How do we, how does that, um, appear today? Yeah. So we're just going to riff a little bit on this. Uh, so maybe we can just kind of rattle off these examples and then, and then talk about them. Um, I think it's kind of good for people to have maybe, maybe yeah, listing, let me list the examples and then we'll talk, <laughs> talk about them. Okay. But one example would, would be like, um, like Bethel church and their supernatural school of ministry in Redding, California. So we'll talk about what do we mean by that? One would be this, you know, the Asbury university revival, um, I read the other day like 50,000 people over the last few weeks have flocked to this tiny school in Kentucky because what's what's going on there? You know, maybe there's an extra, you know, really there's some really real good there. Um, but it, ju- it just shows like our capacity to want to experience next level spirituality. Um, Aaron Rodgers, who <laughs> we'll talk about Joel Smith's favorite team, favorite quarterback. Uh, we'll talk about what he, the last couple off seasons, what he's gotten himself into and just, just kind of this, yeah, this, this drive that we all have to experience, um, the supernatural, right? Um, I recently went to Sedona, Arizona. Now, for those of you who don't live in Arizona or aren't familiar with Arizona, Sedona is beautiful, just beautiful red rocks, all these different rock formations, you drive in there and you're like, man, this place is just gorgeous. But it's also long been known to kind of have some new agey um, feel and practice there. So we'll talk a little bit about that. And then um, just deconstructing Christians that go toward kind of the new age or or more mystical kind of experience. So we might add to that list, but let's just kind of talk through each of those, um, I think those are all kind of modern day examples of things that can um, kind of lead us to, yeah, just to attempt to um, climb up to a higher plane of, of spiritual experience. Um, our, our family pastor, Joel Smith, I mentioned, he um, was part of a ministry up near Redding, California. They were, they were planting a church up there, but that whole community is kind of dominated by Bethel Church. Um, most of us know Bethel from, um, yeah, just kind of the worship ministry that's gone kind of uh, national and, and and even international in terms of their reach. But um, they also have a supernatural school of ministry. So I asked Joel, I was like, hey, man, talk to me a little bit about that. What was your experience when you were in that community and kind of rubbing shoulders with people from Bethel? And he said, this was kind of his quote, is that, there were people who who genuinely want to feel close to God in that community, and then they either come into that community from from because they've kind of heard or or they come in that community and they see people who visibly give the appearance of experiencing what they want to feel. Right. So again, people genuinely want to feel close to God. That's a good desire, but then they either come in and come near and come around um, Bethel and they see people who visibly give the appearance of experiencing that. And he talked about, I was just saying, hey man, give me some ex- examples of that. And he's like, well, we, we would hear about 
um, kind of this gold dust in their large large gatherings, their their worship experiences, that there would be this gold dust falling from the ceiling, falling from the sky, and that people um, thought that the, that was God's extra blessing, you know, that the gold dust was God's extra blessing. Or um, they talked specifically about how different, at different worship services, they'd have what, what they call the glory cloud. And he was always kind of curious because other people who had come out of that ministry would say, I think, dude, I think it was just fog machines that they were pumping through the vents. But this, this visible kind of cloud, you know, I mean, you think about like very Exodus kind of typology where it's like, yeah, the Shekinah glory is coming down from the ceiling. And, and of course, they, they, they said, hey, that's that's the presence of God. He's here among us. Um, he talked about other things like people finding feathers um, just in their daily lives. So you'd go out to your car and there'd be a, a feather on your car and they would talk about how they would claim that those are angel feathers because of God's God's blessing. I recently watched some stuff on Bethel. I've, I've been concerned about Bethel for a number of years. I think, you know, my my perspective is they're they're preaching a false gospel there. It's it's a dangerous thing to to be a part of and around. Um, but uh, that maybe is another podcast. But w- recently watching just baptisms where, um, you know, historically baptism is is yeah, man. It's it's um, we're baptized into the life of God, you know, that's why we say we baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the, the Holy Spirit. It's, it's, uh, this, this public kind of declaration of I've, I've attached myself. I've surrendered to Jesus. He is transforming me from, from, uh, someone who was enslaved to sin and bringing me a, into a new reality. I'm a new creation in him. And, um, so I was watching these, these baptisms, man, and they're asking these people, why do you want to be baptized? And, I mean, just some of the the answers were just all over the place. There was a lady who said, "You know, I I, I've, I am joining the angels of God. I've been called with the angels and authorities of God to um, to rescue and heal. You know, the the neglected animal community in our world. You know, and they kind of clapped and then they baptized this lady. <laughs> so I'm just kind of like, <laughs> like, but all of that to say, I think that's one area because you you think about the the kind of influence that they've had, the pull they've had. I mean, countless young people who've moved up to Reading to attend the Supernatural School of Ministry because they've heard, um, because they've, you know, they've seen what, like Joel said, like people who visibly are giving the appearance of experiencing a higher level of spirituality, right? And so then as you start to practice these things that feel kind of extra biblical, um, where there isn't really good scripture that's prescribing the practice, the practices that they are um, calling people into, you can kind of see how people get pulled into it, you know? And then, man, they, you know, they got really good worship music too. So it's kind of like, I think that's, that's one, I guess one example of, uh, yeah, of kind of how quickly these things start to develop. And, um, as, as believers, either we're insecure about what we have in Christ and think maybe that there's something more that we need to pursue or people who are just like, man, I want an experience with the divine. I want, I, I want to encounter God. Um, and these people seem to be experiencing, they have an appearance of experiencing that. And so, 
why don't you guys talk a little bit about you know this this revival at the you know Asbury University? How could that be? How could that be an example of this? I would also just add to the whole Bethel thing, like the Pentecostal, like second falling of the Holy Spirit or the uh, speaking in tongues thing. It's kind of goes in line with that. Yeah. That idea is like you only have half of the anointing of the spirit or whatever. It's, it, it's all just this very like blase um, and, and unattainable type, type, type thing. And it's, and we should be careful. Like we're not dogging all Pentecostals. Right. But like my wife, you know, who, the, you know, her family were, were practicing Catholics and then her dad um, was born again and they immediately went from sit, stand, kneel in a Catholic church <laughs> to an assemblies of God church. Yeah. And she remembers being, you know, a middle schooler and them calling the youth up to the front of the church and they would say, hey, we're, we're, you guys can sit down once you speak in tongues because this is what God wants for you. This is how we really confirm who we are. And, you know, this is this extra level, like you're saying, Lucas. And and I remember her just saying, man, like, I didn't really know what to do. And there was all this social pressure. And so I said, so what did you do? And she's like, so I just kind of mimicked what these other people were doing. And then, you know, they kind of laid her down on the ground and put a sheet over the top of her. And she to this day said, man, it was all, it was um, all just, a, it, it, it was all a sham. Yeah. But because of the social pressure that was there, she just kind of wrestled with that for the next year of like, okay, am I missing out on something? Um, what, what is a genuine experience encounter with God really look like? So, um, I think, yeah, there's a lot of that wrapped up in, um, yeah, just even, even, yeah. Christian experience, I guess. Yeah. So I, I, I just think there's a lot there. Um, Asbury revival. Um, why am I the one that's talking about this? <laughs> um, I think we'll do another podcast on this because this yeah. is an interesting phenomena. I do think it is interesting because, you know, you, you're watching it through Twitter or Facebook or Instagram or whatever. And there's like thousands of people and you can't really distinguish between what is authentic revival versus what is just hype. Yeah. And, um, I, I guess the way that I attach it to this podcast, though, would just be to say like, I think at least that a lot of people just went there because they're like, Oh my gosh, God is doing something there. And I want to experience that, you know? Yeah. And, and I have seen like a lot of people like, well, what does that mean? Does that mean like that more of God's presence lies in that chapel mm -hmm. at Asbury? You know, what exactly does that mean? And, um, yeah, I think that's a good question because I don't know. I, I, I am by nature skeptical of that sort of stuff. I, I think that, um, anyways, see, I don't want to get myself in trouble with making a, a judgment about that, but, um, I think there is a lot of pressure, like, man, I want to experience more of God and therefore I'm going to drive out of state to go. And, and then I was hearing like the line was were like hours long and it's like, is it really that worth it? to do that. And, and then you kind of feel this pressure to come back with a testimony. Like, yeah. like Ashley was yeah. pressured to speak in tongues. It's like, yeah. So I think that there's a lot of that there. I don't yeah. even, even just the fact that we have so many eyes on it right now because yeah. of social media, yeah. like that 
just adds a different layer to it, then, I mean, revivals happen all the time. Yeah. Like, revivals are not impossible or uncommon, but I think the, the dialogue around this one in particular is, you know, there's something special happening in this tiny town in Kentucky. So I have to go to experience God yeah. when no, you yeah. can experience God anywhere. It's called, it's called the person of the Holy spirit. Yeah. You know, yeah. It's like, but yeah, I think you're right. So we'll, we'll get into that one a little bit more, maybe on another podcast, but I think you're right in the sense of like either, you have people like, I got to go and experience this. I'll drive hundreds of miles. I'll be one of the 50,000 who visits this tiny <laughs> Wilmore, Kentucky. You know, this, this, I think it's like six, 6,000 people, 8,000 people in this town. Um, or it's, you know, well, I'm going to, I'm a theological watchdog who's going to go there because, you know, yeah, I'm going to call out all the heretics. Uh, sort of. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I was watching, I mean, but see it, that too is just the opposite side of the coin. Right, it's still right. buying into this. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, so let's talk about Aaron Rodgers because it's probably the reason that we recorded the podcast. <laughs> <was>. <laughs> okay, so about. let me give you just a, some broad strokes. Aaron Rodgers, um, a cube, you know, what, what has been twice named um, the the National Football League's MVP, right, is widely considered one of the, the greatest quarterbacks to ever play the game of football. The last two off seasons, um, the first one a couple of years ago, um, and Joel's gonna. If I get the details on this, Joel's gonna get ticked. <laughs> but I think he ended up going to I think Peru, and there's a you know uh, this natural kind of sedative not not sedative natural kind of um, hallucinogen called ayahuasca, right? And usually the kind of native people there would kind of serve it as part of like a tea. And so he went on this uh, apparently like about a 12 hour, 16 hour trip by taking this ayahuasca. And, and part of the reason he did it was just, I, I want to have this, you know, I want to be enlightened about where's my life leading and what are the things that, you know, the next few years have for me and what visions might I see in that. Right. So, a little bit weird for an NFL quarterback, but but it was kind of like, hey, that's what he's pursuing. He's pursuing some clarity, some extra you know amount of um, meaning and purpose in his life, right? Well, then just a, a few weeks ago, this off season, um, he told um, a guy that he does a, a weekly podcast with that he was going to go on this this darkness retreat, and I think it was up in Oregon. And you basically go into a house that's kind of partially underground and you're just in solitary, basically like you're just in darkness by yourself for three or four days. And the whole purpose is, again, to just, you know, get clarity, maybe have an experience where, um, you know, you have a divine voice kind of speak into your life, but clarity, meaning, purpose, and you're supposedly going to come out of this darkness, re, re, you know, retreat with a lot of answers for your life. So we just thought, hey, this is another <laughs> example. And it was like, dude, sports talk radio and sports podcasts is like all they were talking about, you know, during those weeks. So um, as you were talking, I Googled Aaron Rodgers to see how it how his uh, darkness retreat has been. And he actually ended it early because there's trade rumors. So he left the darkness retreat early. Wow. Wow. Yeah. So again, I mean, here's, here's just a famous 
person. I don't think, you know, obviously I don't, I don't think he's, he's a believer. I don't think he claims any kind of faith tradition or heritage, but, um, but you can see like someone who even at that level of celebrity has that, uh, that amount of money and status and stature still pursuing answers, still pursuing an experience with the divine. Right. Um, so yeah. Anyway, it was around the time that he was talking about doing this kind of darkness retreat that um, Ashley and I went to Sedona. So Sedona is the next one. This is another example. <laughs> but Sedona, Arizona, if people don't know, man. Like they talk about this vortex, these different vortexes. A vortex. I look at. I looked it up. It's a special spot on the Earth where energy is either entering into the Earth or projecting out of the Earth's plane. So there's four places that that. You know, people in Arizona, are, it's long been rumored that kind of um, radiate or project energy from the Earth's plane. Um, one is the airport, airport Mesa. We actually did that hike when we were there. Cathedral Rock, Bell Rock, and Boynton Canyon, each of these radiating a particular energy. So you get up in Sedona, man, and it's like, um, it. it you can kind of just go out and get a burger and stuff, but you can also pretty, you can find some weirdness pretty quick if like you just venture out. Um, but I think a lot of people come in and visit, you know, because they want, again, they want to experience, um, yeah, something mystical, something, uh, connect me to the earth, connect me to mother nature, connect me to kind of a higher plane of, of spiritual experience. Um, any, anything you guys want to add? Like, have you been to Sedona? Do you, you can spend a whole lot of money to buy a crystal from Sedona and bring it home and bring that energy home with you. Um, so there's a whole lot of like money wrapped up in (laughs) it as well. Yeah. Last one. Um, Lucas, maybe you want to comment. Well, I put deconstructing. You could also put like converting Christians. I was just thinking that, but. I remember Audrey Assad was one of my favorite Christian artists. She's not a Christian anymore, but she talked about going on like kind of a darkness retreat and Mm. rediscovering God. God is a woman. God is blah, 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 you know, and then Gunger. Anyways, the point I was trying to make in writing that down was just like a lot of these deconstructing Christians are going away from Christianity into what they would say is more full experiences of God. Um, But then you could even... um, you could flip that on the other side and say Christians that are maybe converting from one tradition to another are searching for a fullness of God too. Like a person who becomes a Catholic or I just had a friend who just became Eastern Orthodox or whatever. They're looking for a certain fullness that they don't have in their current, you know, Christian tradition. So I think deconverting, converting, we're all searching for something, Yeah. you know? Um, So we don't have to belabor that point, but just, just to say like, it seems like everywhere, everybody's experience or sorry, everybody's wanting to experience something more of God. Right. And, um, that's kind of the whole point of the book of Colossians is like, it's almost as if Paul's kind of taking us by the shoulders and shaking us and saying, you, you have all you need right. in Christ. Right. The fullness of deity dwells in Jesus. Yeah. And, um, so yeah, I, I just think, um, yeah, so maybe we transition to this last point here, which is like some some application points here. Um, to you know, what do we, what do we do about that? 
um, how do we mitigate these sorts of things? Yeah. Yeah. Let me, let me just read this portion in, in Colossians two, where I think Paul makes this, makes this, what you just said, um, and you said it really well, but he says, um, therefore, as you received Christ Jesus, the Lord, like, so walk in him, <laughs> you know, walk in him, um, learn to walk with him, being rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, just as you were taught and abounding in thanksgiving. And then he, and then he makes this. Um, see to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world and not according to Christ. Um, and then ends it with a verse we already said, for in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily and you have been filled in him who is the head of all rule and authority. So again, I think there for the church in Colossae, as well as for Christians today, the message is still the same. Hey, you received Jesus. <laughs> He's the fullness of God. Um, and so just grow up in him, walk with him, be rooted and built up in him and established um, in this new identity that you have in in Christ. And, um, and just know that there are other things that are going to try to pull you away from that other philosophies, um, other traditions, other elemental spirits um, that are going to be attractive or that are going to woo you or that are going to call for you to experience more than you're experiencing. So I think just, I, I think my first would just like, hey, let's be aware of that because I think sometimes you're right, Luke, is you can read Colossians and then Alyssa, you're right too. Like sometimes you're like, oh man, like wait, what, what are they talking about here? What's going on here? And then I think we can also then read, you know, as Paul's kind of giving these warnings and telling them, hey, um, you have everything you need in Jesus. I think some of the examples that that are used or he uses of how that was specifically happening, we can read that and go, oh, well, thankfully that's not happening to us, right? I mean, we just do. And I, and I think to press in a little bit deeper and go, okay, these are timeless. This is the inspired word of God, you know, and it's timeless and it's still relevant to us today. And as we just gave some examples, um, I think we could all go, yeah, man, like I am, I, I can easily be tempted to believe what I have is not enough. I'm not experiencing enough. Do I really belong? So whether it's insecurity or just or just I, I, I want to experience something even more. That's a that's a very real modern day kind of temptation that all of us face. So I think just being aware of that is one maybe first kind of step. Um, and I think there's obviously some gospel implications there. I think one one of them would just be it changes the way that you think about spiritual disciplines, right? Like if I am truly have everything I need in Christ, then for instance, like my going to the scripture, to the words of Christ every day, um, it's not so much a discipline of I need to do this so that I can experience more so that I can, you know, grow in my spirituality 
um, so that I can like outpace these other people in my church. But instead it's like, Hey, um, if, if the fullness of God dwells in the person of Jesus, then my going to read the scripture is just to meet with Jesus, just to, to gain more of, 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 um, a relationship with him, to grow deeper in my awareness of who he is and of his fullness and to be filled up in that, you know, it changes that discipline, um, and and makes it, yeah, just very more, very much more, we would say gospel centered and, and, uh, or, you know, you could, uh, obviously there's a number of other disciplines that you could, um, you could throw in there as well. What, What would you guys comment? Um, why is, you know, what do we do about this in our own personal lives or in our world today? Um, I would just agree there. I think that, um, I remember reading in a book and now I just don't now I don't remember it, but basically uh, having a spirituality of, uh, reception, you're re- meaning you're being nourished by Jesus. Mm-hmm. You're not, uh, you're receiving from Jesus what you need. Um, and, uh, I think that that's, uh, a paradigm changer. You know, you're not offering up to God your holiness in order to um, establish something more, but you're just going more into uh, this relationship with this person. And Paul has these ideas of like union and communion that are very rich and um, just having deepening our communion with Christ. Um, deepening our union with Jesus and not necessarily experiencing more of God, but just um, going back to that over and over again. Paul says, as you've received him, so walk in him. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, I think that's a paradigm changer. I think we just fall into that religious ladder all the the time, and uh, we want to experience more, and and we we forget what we have already in Jesus. So. One thing I was thinking about too, um, you know, so we titled this how not to experience God. Um, and we talked about like some ways that people seem to experience God. Um, and so we should like evaluate those and Mm. question them. Mm. Um, but I also think it's possible that people experience God differently than we do. I mean, especially thinking about the three of us, like majority culture, American Christians, you know, we, we have experienced God maybe in similar ways. Um, and there's probably ways that others experience God. I was thinking about even like with the Asbury revival, um, you know, what would, what would the perspective of the African church planners be mm. if we told them, you know, right. here's this thing happening. Right. And, um, yeah, you know, the, the way they experience God probably looks differently than the way we do. Um, and that doesn't make it wrong or bad. And so like, I think you guys have, have, um, spoken clearly about that, like how we do evaluate these things. And, um, but it's possible that people experience God differently than we do in our context, in our environments. Um, and that doesn't necessarily mean it's this that we're talking about, that it's like mysticism or adding something to the gospel. Um, and so we just have to kind of dig into the nuance, I think, and think about, um, yeah, like what is this that they're, they're adding to the gospel or they're saying you need in order to truly experience God. Yeah. That's a good point. I did. Can I add an addendum actually? Do it. 
Okay, thanks. I thought you were going to say no, but you didn't. Um, let's not make the word mysticism necessarily a bad word either. Um, so myst- mystical just means experiential. So like one of the historic doctrines of the Christian faith is mystical union with Christ. Right. So, or you, or you might say, I had a experience of God in a worship service or whatever. You know, you don't want to demonize that. The mysticism can be like new agey type type stuff, but it can also by mystical union with Christ. We're just talking about a real vital living union with a person right? that happens by the Holy spirit. And what Paul is encouraging us to do is not to search for anything more than that. Right. But to settle into that, right? And um, that's and, a good way to that's a good way to phrase it. Yeah. Settle into that. Yeah, like, get comfy. You yeah. know, get comfy in yeah. Jesus, and really get used to that. Because I think a lot of times, anyways, we could go on forever about this, but so, um, one way you could say is like growing in holiness is really just growing more into Jesus. Yeah, you know, sinking more into Him. So a lot of that is mystical in the sense that it's like it's experiencing Christ, right, um, and His person. So, anyways. yeah, you go to you go to youth camp or you go to a men's retreat and you have this really incredible experience, and that can be valid, but just don't don't stop there. Yeah, don't leave it there. Yeah, yeah, I think it's good. It's good. <laughs> I just thought I might add that at the end there. <laughs> well, I think I think maybe a um, a future podcast would be like okay, so. Um, this is how not to experience God, yeah. right? To go looking outside of the person of Christ. Yeah, that's right. right? Yeah. Um, but then I, th- I think, you know, a lot of new believers do struggle with, um, even Christians who've, you know, yeah, quote unquote, been Christians for a few years, maybe, maybe more than that. It's kind of like, okay, I, yeah, I, I received Jesus and, now what? I, I know that, you know, I've been justified and now, now, you know, I need, there, there's, I need more, you know, what, what else is there? What else is there? And I think, so it is a challenge to kind of go, um, Hey, what Paul is telling you, what the new Testament is telling you is there's a lot more there to, to dive into, to s- swim down into, to settle into yeah. that, that maybe you even know, you know? But what you don't do is, is yeah, go searching outside of, of Christ. Yeah. So maybe some of it is just like we need a more robust, full Christology in the church, you know, that allows people to go, oh, yeah, like there's, there's you know, there's depths here that, that are that never have, ending. Yeah, that yeah. have not been plumbed. Right. You know, right. and into eternity. Right. You know. Yeah. Well, thanks for joining us for another episode of In the Narthex, a podcast of Northwest Bible Church in Tucson, Arizona. If you are with us here on Sunday mornings, we're really glad you're here. And if you're not, we're also glad you checked out uh, what we're talking about today. As always, you can share your thoughts or questions with us at podcast at northwestbible.com.